Welcome to Frankly Judaic, a podcast that explores cutting-edge Judaic studies research conducted at the University of Michigan. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. If you've been listening to this season of Frankly Judaic, you know that our theme is Mizrahi Jewish history and culture. And you may have noticed that the first three episodes were set in Israel, which isn't surprising since the very concept of Jews designated as Mizrahi or Eastern was born in Israel, where hundreds of thousands of Jews from Arab lands and from North Africa immigrated to the Jewish state in the late 1940s and early 1950s. And it was in Israel, too, that the formation of a distinctly Mizrahi consciousness or identity took place. It was adopted, I would say, in the 1980s to describe those who were categorized primarily as Bnei Eidot Amizrach. So it was like sons of the uh, Oriental congregation. And it was adopted from mostly political reasons. This is Gal Levy, a teacher and researcher at the Open University of Israel and a fellow at the Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. Throughout his academic career, Levy has explored how the category of Mizrahi came about. And so he was intrigued when he learned about a movement of Mizrahi consciousness in the United States among the sons and daughters of Mizrahi Jews who had moved from Israel to America. It is intriguing, firstly, because one would have expected that uh, because it is a very Israeli phenomenon, it will remain within the context of Israeli politics and Israeli society and even Israeli culture. But I think that the idea that uh, these kind of ethnic identities migrate is another aspect of uh, processes of uh, globalization and processes of diasporism. And since it hasn't been studied very deeply or thoroughly before, I decided that I will try to understand better what it means and how it plays out. Levy traces the burgeoning of Mizrahi identity in the United States back a couple of decades to around the turn of the century, when a cohort of young Mizrahi Israelis migrated to America and brought their politics with them. For this generation, Levy says, their sense of Mizrahi identity is very much rooted in Israel and the Israeli-Mizrahi struggle for equal rights and opportunities. But for their offspring, Mizrahi identity is an American phenomenon. Levy has identified two main branches, one more on the right side of the political spectrum and the other more on the left. The right-leaning branch is politically organized and represented by organizations such as Jemena, which stands for Jews Indigenous to the Middle East and North Africa. The nonprofit's mission is to foster Mizrahi pride and to advocate for acknowledgement of harm suffered by Mizrahi Jews and their families whose property was confiscated when they left or were forced to leave Arab and North African lands during the 1950s. The other, more left-leaning branch of the American Mizrahi identity movement, Levy says, is more aligned with movements for social justice and more inclined to see themselves as outsiders within the Jewish-American establishment. They're motivated by the fact that their family's ethnic heritage and history have been largely ignored by American Jewish institutions, which have been and are mostly still built around Ashkenazi or European Jewish history and culture. 
In his interviews with dozens of college-age and older Mizrahi-American Jews, Levy says he commonly hears his subjects speaking out against what they call Ashka normativity. Which relates to the fact that to be an American Jew is very easily and conveniently goes through as being an Ashkenazi Jew. You must have a history in Eastern Europe, you must have the fish and the holiday or whatever. And I think that part of the frustration that you hear from these people that they interview about their parents is they feel that their parents kind of gave up too easily. To reclaim their Mizrahi heritage and to break free from the constraints of so-called Ashka normativity, some of the Mizrahi American Jews Levy has spoken with have begun celebrating Mizrahi customs and rituals, such as Mimuna, a Moroccan Jewish tradition of celebrating the end of Passover with a ritual feast. I think that there are two unique uh, aspects of the Mimuna that uh, made them, as far as I understand, decide to do that. One is that it is commonly open for Jews and Muslims to meet together. Historically, that's how this holiday is being celebrated in North Africa. And also because it is, unlike other holidays, unlike other Jewish holidays, this is a very particular holiday or celebration of Mizrahi. It's interesting to see how they create this community with its own particular types of celebration and gatherings. In this way, Levy says, doing things like celebrating Mimuna tap into two trends motivating Mizrahi consciousness in the United States. One is seeking to further the cause of social justice by inviting in Muslims and in that way being inclusive. And another is bucking the Ashkenazi Jewish mainstream by embracing Mizrahi Jewish traditions and demonstrating that American Jews are not a monolith. That it's not just about, you know, bagel and deli and uh, knish, right? I think that for them, it is really important that people will understand that there are many other faces to Jews in America. And the faces are having colors, okay? So you have black Jews, you have Jews of color. I mean, academically, it's very interesting to see how people kind of contemplate what kind of category I belong to, okay? Am I, am I allowed to call myself a people of color or a Jew of color? The parents of many of the Mizrahi American Jews Levy interviewed have mixed feelings about their kids' interest in their Mizrahi heritage. From many of the parents' stories that I've heard here, you hear something which is very typical to Mizrahim in Israel, and it is an attempt to deny the question of discrimination. So they would kind of say, yes, there was discrimination uh, and, and we didn't feel right, but first of all, we don't want to talk about it. And then we don't want to politicize it, and we don't want to do anything like, you know, to, to awaken this kind of sense of discrimination. One of the main conflicts between American Mizrahi parents and their kids, Levy says, is the kids' identification with Arabs. One of the identifications that I hear is of an Arab Jew. And in some cases, for the parents to hear that uh, their kid define herself or himself as an Arab Jew is something that, like, no, no, no. You can identify as Mizrahi, you can do, uh, you know, the Shabbat in uh, Mizrahi and the Sephardic uh, uh, Nusach, 
but don't come to me with this idea of an Arab Jew. And yet, some young Mizrahi Americans do, in fact, identify as Arab Jews. And at the center of that identity looms the Palestinian question. They have a very clear understanding also that given their heritage and the giving the baggage of Mizrahim in Israel, that the Mizrahi question cannot be solved without resolving the Palestinian question. They are interconnected in so many ways that, I mean, you cannot just say, okay, I am Mizrahi, I'm going to celebrate my history, sometimes being very nostalgic about the way that Jews lived in the Arab countries and uh, sometimes, you know, even romanticize those ways and be totally oblivious about what's happening with the Palestinians. In fact, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict plays an important role for both left- and right-leaning Mizrahi Jews. On the right, Levy says, groups like Jemena view the conflict through a traditional Zionist lens. Here's a clip from one of their promotional videos. In the 20th century, close to one million Jewish refugees fled anti-Semitism and oppression in Arab countries and Iran. Today, their Mizrahi and Sephardi descendants make up more than half of Israel's Jewish population. Mizrahi and Sephardi culture is huge. The children and grandchildren of Jewish refugees from Arab countries and Iran are fighting for human rights and the heritage of their ancestors. If you oppose Jews defining the hatred which we ourselves experience, you are, in essence, endorsing that very hatred. They say, okay, Jews are indigenous to the Middle East. We were always part of the Middle East. But there was the war, there was the decolonization of the Middle East. Jewish refugees fled the Arab countries. Palestinian refugees fled Palestine or Israel. And now it's like we're even now. Leftist Mizrahi Jews, on the other hand, are more likely to identify with the Palestinians and their cause. The main argument is that we have to be part of social justice. We have to be part of the fight for social justice for the Palestinians and and to identify with anti-Islamophobia, with anti-Arab attitudes in America. We have to identify with the Palestinian cause. And then you see on the spectrum of anti-Zionism to non-Zionism within this group. Some of the more politically active and radical Mizrahi Americans Levy interviewed belonged to or supported Jewish Voices for Peace, an anti-Zionist organization that advocates for Palestinian liberation. Here is a clip from one of their videos. JVP has a plan to stop U.S. support for Israeli oppression of Palestinians. We're building an unstoppable movement of Jews, tech workers, students and elders, religious leaders, activists and allies, people just like you, who are committed to Palestinian liberation and a Judaism beyond Zionism. But many young Mizrahi Americans have family in Israel and so have strong ties to the country. And so Mizrahi consciousness among the people Levy interviewed is also influenced by the history of anti-Mizrahi discrimination in Israel and by Mizrahi leftist politics in Israel. While the Ashkenazi left in Israel has questions about whether Jews belong in the Middle East at all, the Mizrahi left takes a different approach. I think that what the Mizrahi left offers in general, and what Mizrahi left here offers in particular, is a perspective that says, yes, we can belong. 
but in order to belong and to feel that we are part of the Middle East, we have to accept it not as you know the term that uh, Ehud Barak once used, the villa in the jungle, right? We are not a villa in the jungle. We have to understand this is not a jungle and this is where we want to live and this is where we can belong if we accept the people who are native to these lands as, as part of us. This attitude of inclusiveness informs how young Mizrahi Americans think about themselves in relation to other minority groups in the United States, and especially to the larger Jewish community. Exploring their perspective, Levy says, is important not only for understanding the development of Mizrahi consciousness in America, but also for gaining a more nuanced view of the evolution of Jewish American identity. I think it's really important politically and informative intellectually to understand these kind of marginalized or marginal groups, not because of their marginalization, because it says something about what's going on within the center. You've been listening to Frankly Judaic, a production of the Gene and Samuel Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. The podcast is produced by Conversa. The executive producer is Maya Barzilai. You can find and subscribe to Frankly Judaic anywhere you get podcasts. And if you like the show, please give it a five-star review. Thanks for listening.